0: 2WA is a boutique, which means small, organizational development firm, consultancy, if you like, with two uh, two principals, Ann Birmingham and Michael House, who so can figure out which of which is which. And we focus on fixing people's behaviors in companies. Where we are is trying to improve performance through aligning behaviors. Our topic, it's motivation, it's about Um, Understanding that, uh, so I'll say right at the moment, I'm not particularly motivated here at the end of summer. It's a little harder to motivate myself to put in eight hours work. And of course, that's probably the season more than anything else. Everyone goes through that. There's days you can accomplish huge amounts. There's days you can't. But if we use it from the point of view of motivation, it's for someone else to understand that perhaps you're not at your best and um, they need to give you a gentle push or shove or kick in the right direction.
1: And, And I agree with that. I mean, I see a lot... Of times in organizations that managers really can make a difference in motivating someone who is talented but who um, could just use that whether you say kick or just um, push. There's a quote that I really like that says you know motivation will always beat mere talent and I think managers have a really big role in motivating uh, up individuals. When I think about some different managers that I've seen They do. They know the triggers. They know what it takes to keep someone motivated. And I think that that really makes the difference between a good and a great manager. I can tell a story related to that. I was just coaching someone last week and I kid you not, they described the person that they were managing as a wheelbarrow. And what they meant was that when they um, when they are there, the wheelbarrow works really well and it pushes along, gets a ton of work done, and as soon as they leave or go off and leave the person to do the work alone, the wheelbarrow doesn't really move forward. So I was having a conversation with the manager and saying, so clearly that person needs a highly, much more structured leadership style. They need you to be much more small chunk work. And this person was really struggling with, but I don't like to do that. And that was a lot of the conversation we had was, I appreciate you don't like to do it, but if you've got to motivate um, a wheelbarrow, then you're going to need to break it into small tasks so you can push it along.
0: And a lot of people don't take that approach. They think of work as a series of checklists, and, and it really is all about relationships first.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about in uh, some of the organizations that uh, we've worked in, where you've got people that are you know really skilled, um, really confident, uh, have strong abilities, and for a period of time, seemed you've created the right environment, and they were really self-motivated. But I've seen situations where, and I know we sometimes call them um, veterans gone bad. But we've seen situations where all of a sudden those people seem to, and probably it isn't overnight, lose their motivation. And uh, as you know, we got managers coming to us and saying, you know, what do I do about this? What do I do about this? How can you help me fix them? And what I've come to realize, and it may sound a bit harsh, but most of the times the reason that the person's lost that motivation is because the manager started to um, pay a lot less attention to the individual. So they're a good performer, they're solid, they don't have to worry about them. So they don't check in. They aren't aware of what their goals are. They aren't meeting with them monthly um, they aren't having a check-in about their goals and their, their, not just personal goals, but what they're working on, what's important to them. And they just stop paying a lot of attention to them because they were so, you know, they're, they're fine, they're on their own, mm-hmm. they, they know the role. And yet it's that lack of um, attention to what you're about, what you're doing well and so forth that leads the people um, to those situations where it's hard to be high-performing when no one seems to be observing, uh, you know, as we know, one client said to us, you know, if you go to work every day and you throw the bowling ball down the, the bowling alley and you never find out if it hit the pins uh, or not, you can do it for a week, maybe two weeks. But, you know, years, it's pretty hard to be motivated when you really don't know what, what others think, or have a chance to communicate.
0: People people operate without having the big picture because of where they sit in the organization. Typically, no one can see it all. Managers see more and the higher you're up in the organization, the more you can see the bigger picture. And I think the, you know, a key point there for it, you know, to, 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 to talk about that, you know, you could throw a lot of gutter balls if you don't really know, uh, if you never get to know exactly where your, your uh, bowling ball is going is back to communication and back to communication is about knowing what's going on in people's lives. And it's not about I need to know what you did in the weekend necessarily or all those sorts of things, though it could be part of that. But it is a continual checking in. It's almost like a pulse taking. Is everything okay here? Are we all good here? How are things going? Anything I can help you with? And then you'll probably never get too far off base with that person. They'll never feel that they're totally ignored. Mm-hmm. They won't go down the wrong path they won't throw that gutter ball Mm -hmm. because someone is giving them some correction some input some recognition all of those things are important i mean organizations are organic they are like plants and people are indeed the things that need to be nurtured Mm -hmm. some less than others some Mm -hmm. too much but they all do need to be nurtured and the idea of the motivation piece is it's a nice starting point Mm -hmm. it's a starting point to figure out where things are and then where you want them to be
1: Uh, There is a point where there's only so much a manager can do and a manager can create the right environment. And I think a manager can get people motivated, do the right things, and I think they can keep driving them to do it. But there is a point where the individual has some responsibility as well. They need to have some self-motivation. They need to have a a drive to be able to meet certain performance expectations, etc. So it is a a two-way street. Uh, but one of the things that I've really um, found value and I know Michael, you and I have talked about it, is, you know, it's understanding what are people's um, motivators and how different people are. Let me start with some of the eight motivators. So. One of the uh, motivators that's mine is achievement. So achievement means that, you know, if you have a, a goal that you are very motivated to strive to work towards it, or achievement could be you have a list of to-dos and you just want to get up and get those to-dos done, and that gives you a sense of achievement and, uh, and so that's one of those that I think is very important. And a lot of managers are motivated by achievement, so they assume everyone is. But there are a lot of people who, and usually we're motivated by two or three of these, but there are a lot of people who are instead not so much motivated by achievement, but they are by affiliation. So affiliation is being a part of. So being able to organize the orientation for the organization for new employees because they want to be part of the welcoming committee. Being on the United Way uh, campaign team uh, inside the organization would work sometimes for some people with affiliation. The goal and what is the goal would work for those people that are achievement oriented. So understanding some of those can be really important. You know one um, that I recall that is an interesting one is security. So with security it's the motivation to find out what's going to stay the same and um and and or having some predictability of what's about to happen. And I not too long ago, Michael and I were doing some work with an information technology group and there were a lot of people in that group who were motivated by security. So what was going to stay the same. And so you could think that as a really big obstacle as you're trying to implement a change. It actually became a great enabler because what we did with this change was we outlined the three or four things that we're gonna change, but we actually, with this group's help, got two pages of flip charts filled of what was gonna stay the same. What could they count on despite during this change that would stay the same? Everything from the values to how they did their breaks and so forth. And that list and those two flip charts we left with the team And I went by three months later, and they were still not only up on the wall, but you could see people still regularly looking at them. So when you understand something like security, you can really use it as that really enabled them to get motivated to help with the change because they knew what was going to stay the same uh, in times of difference.
0: And much like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, there's probably a hierarchy of 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 motivators as well so once we establish security let's say yep some things will change but most things will stay the same not to worry people can kind of go oh okay so we've ticked that one I'm good you've pressed my button that says you're secure I feel secure I feel motivated to a degree you probably want to then you know what else is it is it achievement is it affiliation is it status is it recognition um, so you're, you're hoping you get a good basket if you like of motivators and then you kind of move, so to speak, move up the ladder. So someone might want to be a manager because the status of being a manager is really cool. I've got an office or i got a bigger cubicle or whatever it is. And it, it may be some affiliation type of motivation as well, which I've to hang around with people who are dealing with higher order issues than perhaps I did, and you really hope that in all of that achievement shows up as well. Cause if there's no achievement in there or actually getting stuff done, they all, you can get a series of people the managers who maybe like where they are and they like uh, some of the th- people they're hanging around with they're not actually getting a whole lot done so it's good to have a conversation so, so, so we, we've thrown out a lot of ideas so what should people actually be doing with some of these so whether you're managing managers or you're uh, you know frontline super managing direct reports it's really the same thing you have to have a conversation with people that report to you and Those conversations which you should be having anyway on a variety of topics You should be able to figure out what motivates you to do the best possible work. What makes you get up and come to work? uh, What makes you want to maybe further your skills? And you should be having those conversations with people. And they may not be able to articulate exactly what it is. We always tell people, show them the list. So, you know, achievement, affiliation, autonomy, responsibility, recognition, status, creativity, security. Those are the motivating. Those are the eight. Show them the list. You know, which ones work for you? Take that away and find out a way to work that, as you were pointing out earlier, and work that into the conversation around uh, around what it is that 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 motivates them and try and, you know, reaffirm that you still remember, which is what you're doing. So you're having conversations with them. So we talk from a performance management perspective. You should be having a conversation with every one of your direct reports once a month. I always throw this out in training and people look at me like, oh, I've got that much time. Yeah. I always then ask what else you're doing that's more important than talking to the people who work for you because you're trying to get stuff done around here. And they usually come up with things like budgets and meetings and things. But you need to carve out a significant part of your day, week, month to make sure you're touching base with every person in a one-on-one. Possibly it's only five or ten minutes, but you've touched them, you've interacted, you kind of know where they are, they know where you are, Lots of that's a ways to course correct or give them input or understand if they are being well-motivated or not. And how much time would that be in a month? I would say you should be spending a day a week on that, I'll say.
1: I would agree 100%. About 20% of your time should be spent on managing and leading others. That's not trying to get work done. That is really just checking in, making sure that you know what people's goals are. Uh, You're checking in with what are their obstacles, how can you help. And you're doing the unique part of your job, which is to manage and lead others and motivate them.
0: And and so we keep coming back to that whole piece about you know do managers you know like like their jobs or do they even know it's expected of them It's really it's really critical that that gets that gets across to people that that when you're hired and you're put into a supervisory position, be it a junior or a very senior one, you have to realize that's a key role. And and, um, and I'm just going to quote um, another client of mine who I'm coaching. He's been elevated from a senior an executive VP in a very large um, conglomerate. Uh, and he's now the chief operating officer and his first comment to was it's so different now he's a finance guy it's so different now Michael I'm like well how's it different he said I don't I don't look at numbers much anymore he said it's all about people you know Shazam yes it's all about people and he realizes that he's just trying to get people to no no don't do that do this or no don't get excited it's not that big a deal or he's constantly trying to push them in the right direction mm-hmm. words and actions and I don't think he's touched a spreadsheet in probably four months and he may <laughs> never, you know, actively be involved with them ever again. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the further up you go, it's more about people and where's where's motivation, but you know, top of the list.
1: And and one of the things, you know, you mentioned the twenty percent or one out of five days of the week. And I find that the really successful managers and leaders literally carve that out. So they don't let others see white space and grab it. They literally hold time to make fifteen minute phone calls to different staff or to have check-in meetings I work one CEO does a 30-minute meeting with every employee in their organization has over 200 employees uh, once a year so he rotates there's so many break that down by months etc but over and above that with your direct reports but you need to carve out the time carve out the time to be on the different sites not in meetings but uh, unless it's one-on-one but just checking out so I find that the really successful ones plot it plan it and make it happen, and don't just um, see if they have time on Friday at four when they're finished the other things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the stuff you can do at home on the weekend at nights is the report writing, the uh, you know answering of emails and those sorts of things. You've got to catch people during their day if you're really going to motivate them. The same gentleman I was just referring to who'd been elevated to an oper- you know, chief operating officer, and he's. He said he started meeting with, with a lot of the people. He's got 200 people reporting to him now. Um, not reporting directly, but sort of in his old group. He's got a series of managers as well. And he said he has been meeting with small groups of them, always with the manager present because he wants to hear what's going on. He wants to be in the loop. He doesn't want to be involved in everything. And he said, you know, that's great because then he'll talk about what he can do, then what he and the manager can do together. And people get a sense of that he's heard it, but he's not cutting out the manager. So there's another, you know, another, uh, you know, tip for people who might be listening to this to say, you can still listen to frontline folk without, without, uh, you know, undercutting or bypassing their manager. You can include them in that conversation. And they're important conversations to have both ways. You get to align, and then you get to hear, and then you and the manager can sort out what to do about that. That's also great mentoring and coaching if you want to mix in a couple of other things mm-hmm. as well. But people feel highly motivated because the boss spent some face time with me. Another big factor.
1: And you just reminded me of uh, a scenario that we had. You said, you know, it's important to um, meet people where they are and at their work at their time. And uh, as you may recall, we worked in one organization where they ran 24-7, it's a manufacturing plant, and uh, we were doing some coaching, and you were doing particularly some coaching in the middle of the night with some different individuals, and people commented on to us that they had never seen anyone from head office because everyone in head office went home at 5, and they started their shift at 9 at night till 7 in the morning or whatever it was. And so it is so important to make sure that you are there at all of their times, and not just what's convenient for you.
0: And I've always thought, based on you saying that, I always thought the people that like night shifts have a big motivator of autonomy because <laughs> there's nobody <laughs> around to second guess you or look over your shoulder. You just have to get stuff done, and uh, that kind of its good and its bad parts. But yeah, that was uh, that was a good motivator for them because people were listening who they they never saw. Interesting. Think think if you're in a big organization that even runs two shifts, possibly three or multiple locations. Where people might never see the people who lead the organization. You know, the extreme of of, of uh, unmotivating is I'm just sitting here, and I hope I'm doing the right thing. And uh, you know, what's the purpose here? What's going on? And I know, one ever comes to me and gives me a sense of the big picture. We call it the golden thread. What you do informs this. What we do in this department and in this organization. And we serve these customers, so someone can see the importance of what they do. You know, ramped up all the way up to a product or service delivered to a client who's satisfied. That's another type of motivating. You're recognizing mm-hmm. what they do. Um, you can even call it affiliation. Um, with all the other people here together, you're collectively providing this great product or service. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're coming back to a lot of conversations and a lot of uh, communications. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about, you know, we talk. I, I mentioned performance management later, and there's, there's tools and there's, you know, eight motivators and all these things. It's still all about having conversations with mm-hmm. people and understanding them and, and, and try to move them to where you need them to be. And if if you don't if you don't like that, you're going to find it difficult to manage people.
1: So I think if there's a, a call to action, it is one um, understand what motivates you and understand how that differs from what um, the people who report to you what motivates them. And having those conversations, like you've been referencing, is a really great one to have. I think your your second point is that it is attentive and not. Um, it is attentive and effective to then take a task. And even though much of the task is the same, if there's a point where you can emphasize responsibility for one and you can emphasize the point where you can be creative for another, then then you're really, you're really doing something with your knowledge of what motivates people. And mm-hmm. I think the third point when talking about is that you really need to set aside 20% of your time to manage and lead and motivate and, um, and that isn't uh, just regular meetings. These are special more one-on-one meetings or special group meetings that are intended to focus on that. I think that's some of our key points.
0: Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm thinking of all the potential managers who might be listening to us who might be thinking, wow, that's a lot of work. How do we how do, do all that? And I, I think the first realization is that that's, that's your primary role. Um, a lot of managers we talk to uh, talk about all the other work i have to do i'm a working manager they will say and i'm not sure if that's truly the case or that's just they would prefer to do the non-people stuff than the um than the people stuff uh, and and therefore might might shy away from this because yeah it sounds like difficult it sounds like a lot of um, it's a lot of work um, they prefer to be more hands-on than perhaps um, uh, doing the work rather than rather than helping others do it and and to motivate i think i keep I use the phrase, manage with your hands in your pockets. Key element of using motivation is how do you get people mm-hmm. to do things, not touching them yourself, so to speak, right. the work yourself. Um, well, and, you get... and that's where I think it's, uh, that's where people get stuck.
1: Another I thing I would say, maybe in conclusion, too, it's remembering constantly that what motivates you is not necessarily what motivates others. So it's True. so easy to, you know, get into, boy, I'd like to manage others the way I'd like to be managed. But if others, those aren't, those aren't what motivate them then you're not going to be utilizing or getting peak performance except for the few people that are just like you.
0: So this is, uh, you know, I'm Michael Howes, and Ann Birmingham I have been uh, speaking with you uh, about motivation uh, from 2WA Consulting. We hope that you gain some, uh, if nothing else, some things to think about, maybe some things to put into practice. And we, as always, as we like to say, if you'd like to sit and talk about them, you'll buy the coffee.